Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Thank you for listening this weekend. And this is what God is doing in Malawi and other countries, part two. Uh, You know, I always wanted to say that, part two. Uh, My sermons were always having part two, but I finished them the same Sunday. I'm afraid that would be (laughs) K. They'd call me. I love finishing and and finishing sermons so much. And the conclusion, I did it two or three times every sermon. So anyway, but this is part two. If you were with us last weekend, uh, you heard these two guys, Joeville, Eric Perkins from U-Turn Ministries, And uh, if you did not and you're listening, you can go back on our podcast and watch that. Go to AFR.net and you look at the programming and you'll see podcast exploring missions and uh, you can hear that and it will bless you. But Nathan is a joy to have them last weekend. We knew that we'd need more information. So we're excited about what God's doing there in Malawi. And what are the other two countries, guys, that's close by? Mozambique and Zambia. Oh, and God's doing work there as well. Amen. You might want to get out a global map and check out uh, southeastern Africa and kind of put your finger on those countries there. Maybe say a prayer, begin praying for uh, U-Turn Ministries and, and the workers involved in that. That would be good. I just, I think maybe... A passage was brought to mind. I don't want to read the whole thing because it can be very long. You could follow along in Isaiah chapter 49. The last half of that is just amazing promise from God of what he wants to do. And sounds like, as I read this, what he's doing in many places, but it's even Malawi as we spoke. And you're going to hear a little bit more today. So just let me read a few places from Isaiah 49. This is what the Lord says. I will answer you in a time of favor. And I will help you in the day of salvation. I will keep you and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land, to make them possess the desolate inheritances, saying to the prisoners, come out. And to those who are in darkness, show themselves, show yourselves they will feed along the pathways and their pastures will be on all the barren heights. And it goes on to talk in verse 13, shout for joy, you heavens, earth, Rejoice. Mountains break into joyful shouts, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Hallelujah. Amen. That's our prayer. It is. So, Joe, you've talked a little bit about last show about uh, U-Turn Ministries and how things kind of got started with that. But I think you were sharing with us kind of off the air a little bit about an experience you had your first time preaching in in Africa. Can you tell us about that? Well, I had come out of a career in golf course architecture. I worked for a guy named Arnold Palmer. A few of you probably heard of him. Let me see. Oh, yeah. I, I don't even have to Google that one. I had some old golf clubs that uh, had his name on them. So uh, I had traveled the world for the king of golf, and uh, all of a sudden I found myself traveling the world for the king of kings. I, I traded up. But uh, uh, Mr. Palmer was a great man. I love him. But uh, I found myself in Africa, and and a very unusual thing happened. A missionary found out that I had recently been called to preach, and he said, good, you're preaching Sunday. I was like, okay. So uh, I went to the church very early and 
prayed and prepared myself to, to declare the Word of God to people who had walked for three days to hear the gospel. That overwhelmed me. When we got to the beginning of the service, a woman came in the service, and she this was a very poor village way up in the jungles of Equatorial Guinea, and she put an object down on top of the altar, and it was covered in a cloth. And when the service began, she got up. There were no musical instruments in the church, and she took the cover off of this item, and it was a beer can. And honestly, every pharisaical bone in my body rose up, and I thought, why does she have a beer can in church? Couldn't she get a Coke can or a Sprite can? And I remember looking out the window and realizing there are no stores. There, there's nothing material in this area she had found that thing three hours away on a logging trail in the ditch. She had cleaned it out. She had cleaned it up. She filled it with rocks, and she turned it into an instrument of praise. And she sang a song that the words translated into, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. And as she was singing that song and shaking that beer can, the Spirit of God reminded me that I was that beer can, that God found me in the ditch. He cleaned me up. He filled me with the rock of ages. And it was that moment in my life where I said, Lord, I want to take everything I can get my hands on and bring you glory. And I think that's the essence. That's the heart of missions, whether it's next door or across the world. Let's take the gospel. Let's take what God has given us and bring him glory through it. Sometimes we have too high opinion of ourselves, Mm -hmm. don't we? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, what what are we? If that can was dented in and... (laughs) Had all the paint off, it would describe Bert Harper pretty good. I tell you <laughs> that. Yeah, so God's done that, and there's story after story. And and honestly, when you read the Book of Acts and you see those men and taking the gospel to Philippi and that girl out there as a soothsayer, and she gets saved, the jailer gets saved. These are the stories, and and they're what God is doing. And uh, I found out you know, a lot of times here in America, we miss on that, but there were stories like that when I hear about the first great awakening, the second great awakening and others. And so God's doing that now, right now. And we want to join God where he's working. Now we don't exclude here. We're not saying, hey, we reject here, but we do send, re- need to send resources to where God is working. And one of the things we talked about in the the program uh, last weekend was these indigenous people, after they were s- some saved, they're ready to become pastors and the training, the, you know, they receive. Nathan, you, you and I talked about it. Sounds like we might learn something from them. Yeah. So if you have a chance, get out a piece of paper and a pen or pencil and take a few notes. We're going to let Eric kind of take us on a little crash course of what, what some uh, real live training looks like in Malawi, and just a little snippet of that we've asked him to share with us as we listen. But the idea is not for us to just listen and take it in and say, oh, I already know that, or I'm, I learned something new and interesting, is to, to put it into practice. And so, uh, Eric, can you share with us a little bit? You know, many of these men, they only own one Bible, and for some of them, they've only had a Bible for a short time, so it's a very precious thing to them. So one of the places that we start is how do I study the Word of God? And so we began by teaching them how you study the Word of God, understanding and believing that the Word of God is true. And because of their faith and how they've already seen God at work, they believe the Word of God. And they believe that God wants to do 
miraculous and amazing things, and he wants to save their people and change their lives. So they are are reading the Word of God. They're seeing it transform their lives, and, and they're stepping out in faith to do that. One of the classes that we're, we're teaching, of course, is how do we disciple other believers? So in our classes, we're actively discipling them, teaching them how they will disciple others. And so we're teaching them how you learn to read the Word of God, how you learn to study the Word of God, how you began to act on the Word of God, believing that the Holy Spirit empowers you to do those things. And then they go out into their villages, and they began to walk others through this same information. What does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus Christ every day? What does it mean to be in the Word of God? What does it mean to have assurance of salvation? What does it mean to share your faith with others? It becomes commonplace in their mind as they're going out. That's what a Christian does. A Christian reads the Word of God, a Christian lives the Word of God, and a Christian gives the Word of God. And so they're going out and actively living that out, teaching others to do the same. And because it is such a fresh word, they've been longing for it. These are people that are desperate, excited that someone came to them to share the truth of the gospel. They don't want to keep it to themselves. If we were to walk into one of the villages in Malawi today and stand next to a hut and say, I'm here to tell you, about what God is doing in my life, they'd say, wait a minute. And you say, where are they going? Do they not want to hear the message? In about five minutes, there'll be 40 to 80 people standing there because they went and got all their family, and they wanted them to hear the Word of God. And they they said, okay, now start now. And then we began to share with them what God did in our life and how He changed our life and how He wants to give them that same assurance. People that will never own anything in this earth, that day will receive their eternal reward because now they have the opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We began uh, to teach them as well in these classes what true biblical preaching is, that their preaching is not something that they may have heard on a program or something that they saw on a TV if they ever were in the city, but their preaching comes from God's Word and how we develop a sermon and then how we share that sermon. Uh, we began to teach them theology, theology what it, you know, that, that it's consistent with the Word of God. It's just not based on popular thought or, or their old mystic um, um, religion. Some of these men are men that were former witch doctors. Some are former imams who were a part of the Muslim faith. So it's very important that we drive them back to the Word, and and we help them to understand that God is speaking to them and that it's based on the truth of the Word of God, filled with the Spirit who empowers them to go out. And these teachers, God has uniquely provided some of these teachers, has he not? I, I remember you telling me that when we first met, that God provided the teachers to teach these men. I, I was blown away at God's provision. So what I'm saying, when God calls you, there's a provision there as well. Bert, the resources are in the harvest. I'm just totally blown away again at what God does because he does provide men who want to join you. When people are drawn together by vision, 
and you share with them a vision of what God is doing and how they can be a part of kingdom purposes, they want to be a part of that. So we are partnering with like-minded national believers who have been through seminary, who have the training and have the ability to take their training out to these villages. They have a heart just like us. They want to see their fellow countrymen come to Christ, and they realize that they have to go out to these rural areas and share the gospel with the literal millions that have yet to hear the gospel. So they're willing to give of their time. They're not paid, and and they go and they spend a week a month in these rural areas teaching. The men who come in bring their own food with them, and, and basically they're all camping out there together for a week at a time, once a month. Called a camp meeting. That's exactly right. (laughs) Pouring into one another. It's iron sharpening iron, and they're really teaching each other as they go through the process. And and as they go out, we're walking alongside them. Here's the church planning strategy. We're helping them see how you plan a church. And when we go out and plan a church, uh, there's a process that, that we use of evangelism and discipleship that we go ahead and start with all of our church plants within when the day we launch that church we're averaging 40 to 60 people coming that first day and joining the church within the first one to two months we're running over a hundred in these village churches and when we say churches I'm talking about a mango tree in the middle of the village. That's <laughs> build, a church. Their building program doesn't take them about four or five years? It does not. They're ready to go right then. Now, they will mold bricks, and then we'll help them put a roof on, things like that. But it is an amazing thing. A few months ago, we were in Malawi, and God led us to a village where they didn't have clean water. And, and they had been praying for many years that God would bring them water. And, and so we came to that village, and we had been working there to, to plant a church. And through resources that people had given, we were able to, to drill a well in that village. They were singing and rejoicing that they would have clean water. We preached the gospel, and many, many were saved. And the village chief got up and spoke, and she said, you men came from God. You brought us clean water, and because of that, we know that your Jesus is true. We want to be a part of what you're doing, and I want to join your church. So she wanted my Jesus, and she wanted to be a part of what my Jesus was doing. It was an exciting day. Well, it was rainy season. We went back three weeks later to officially launch the church in a driving rain. We had 60 people there. No roof. We had church. Amen. <laughs> Joe, mm. you, you're filled with stories. I can't, the beer can filled with rocks, a musical instrument. That's, that's awesome. Tell us some more. Well, you know, I, I tell you, one of the things I want to I want to share with you that kind of ties into what Eric was talking, and and I don't have time to get into the socioeconomic strategy, but when you walk into a culture that deals with abject poverty, systemic poverty, it's very difficult from a Western perspective to understand where they're coming from. So, for instance, if you give someone something, you put something in their hand, they'll they'll never turn it loose. It, it, it's mine. It's mine. And so there's that attitude of, uh, of kind of, if I can get hold of something, I, I'm going to consume it. So if you have food, eat it now. Someone might steal it. Uh, a rat might get it. Mildew or mold might take over. So consume it instantly. So what, what's happening is not only are we teaching these pastors theology, but we're teaching them from a socioeconomic standpoint how to thrive, how to be self-sustaining, 
so that what happens is you can't tell someone that's in systemic poverty there's another way. You have to demonstrate it to them. So a, a pastor who not only has the ability to do better agriculture or better animal husbandry, he'll begin to thrive in that culture, and people can see him as a shining example. I do want to tell a story about just the impact from a Western perspective where I may share the gospel with anywhere from three, 400 people just in my private witness a year across America and see 10, 12 people accept Jesus. And then walk into a culture where I can see 20, 30,000 people a week except Christ. When I first went there, I thought, this can't be real. This is not happening. This, there's something going on here that's just not real. And so the first year I was there, we saw thousands and thousands of people saved. And so the, the next year I went back. First day went out, I don't know, 1,000, 1,500 people saved the first day. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and I thought, Lord, is this really happening? And I opened my Bible to Acts chapter 2, and I was reading about the day of Pentecost. And it's like the Holy Spirit just asked me a question. Who gave the invitation during the day of Pentecost? Well, it was the lost people. What must I do to be saved? And I closed my Bible. I tried to go back to sleep. I tossed and turned. I woke up. I opened my Bible to Acts 16, and there was the Philippian jailer. And who gave the invitation? The lost man. What must I do to be saved? And that day we went out and we were preaching, and we had gone in this area where there was a lot of alcoholism, and they were actually making moonshine in this particular village. And as I was preaching the gospel, a young man began running towards me, and, and I began to brace myself. I thought he was going to attack me, but he was running away from that still where they were making moonshine. And as he got close to me, he slid on his knees and began literally screaming in Chichewa. And I turned to my interpreter and said, what is he saying? And he said, he's saying, what must I do to be saved? And the Lord said, is that real enough for you? <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's moments like that where God says, listen, don't just think about what you know, what you've experienced. Understand that I can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or imagine. Nathan, it sounds like a lot of hospitality there. We live in an area here in America. It used to be Southern hospitality here in Tupelo, Mississippi, and it still is. But still, people are staying in their own backyard. People staying in their house. It sounds like it's quite different in a rural area. So is the hospitality, the openness? I, I'm just asking this. It's kind of a weird question. But them being given to hospitality, does that have something to do with being able to share, and they want their neighbors to hear, they want their family members to hear. It, it sounds like, you know, God God is using that, what I'm saying, using their culture of openness to help the gospel go forth. Sure. And the Malawi is called the warm heart of Africa. And so there is a hospitality that's unusual. People who have nothing will offer you their best. They'll bring out, you know, they might eat rice once a year, and you show up and they'll cook a pot of rice for you. It's humbling. It's one of the most humbling things you'll ever experience. You know, they'll sit on the dirt, but if you show up, they'll go find a chair. If they've got to go to the chief's house and get it, they'll bring a chair for you to sit in. And so I believe there's a difference in the condemnation of sin and the consequence of righteousness. So anytime any culture experiences or participates in a righteous act, there's a positive consequence. And that may be why God is pouring out his spirit on that part of the earth is that there is a hospitality. There is a 
a, a, a um, you know, I guess a moral uh, atmosphere of of care of of genuine you know concern for others. Nathan, you you let me experience it when you were working with individuals on the mission field there in refugees uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was able to go to a home of a of a of a family and the hospitality they showed me. I've never been treated more royally yeah. than they treated me. And there's something about that that we have lost here in America that if we could regain some of it as a, at least a church to looking at the lost people, and I'm preaching to Bert here, I'm telling you, because, you know, I go home, okay, I'm home. We need to be more open to that. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, I think like we said before, the the gospel spreads best through social networks. And so a lot of times in the West, we close ourselves off or we limit who we socialize with or how and when we do that. And in a lot of other cultures, there is that more openness and that sense of belonging is kind of already in place maybe. And so when one receives good news, all can receive good news. And talking with U-Turn Ministries with Joe and with Eric and before we close, can you kind of just tell us a little bit about maybe the newest or the uh, upcoming things you, you see happening, uh, maybe something down the road that you you're, you want us to pray for, but anything kind of new and exciting happening that that uh, we can hear about? You know, one of the things that we've looked at, I want Eric to speak a little bit about the coffee farm, but we have a couple of financial engines that we're just starting to crank up. One is a coffee farm, and I'll let Eric speak about that and the strategy there. But one of the things that we found is that there are many entities that are providing water across sub-Saharan Africa. And most of the companies that are taking advantage of those profitable situations are not using the profits for righteous means. And Mm -hmm. so we stepped in and started a for-profit water drilling company where we can take the proceeds of those and expand what we're doing through the ministry. So certainly pray for opportunities for open doors to some of these NGOs, particularly groups that consider themselves Christians, and yet many times the profits from those ventures are not being used on righteous means. And so that would certainly be a prayer request. And then, Eric, maybe you can speak a little bit about how God is expanding our orphan work and how we can fund some of that through uh, the coffee enterprise. It really is an exciting day how God is at work. And in the northern part of Malawi is this mountainous area where the temperature and the climate is is perfect for growing coffee. And so God has provided for us uh, through some generous donors some land that we are now growing coffee. And in fact, we just in the last two months doubled the size of our farm and we'll be planting more coffee plants. And it takes about five years for those plants to reach full maturity. So in the next five years, we'll be receiving a large harvest each year off of those coffee plants, all of that coffee that is sold, whether we sell it in-country or we bring it back to the U.S. through partners to sell it here, all of those funds will go back for ministry purposes 100%, and much of that to help us feeding orphans. As we go into these villages, one of the things that that Joe has already shared with you is the systemic poverty. In the area that we're reaching out to now— it's our newest area to go into. There's 4 million Yao people. These are some of the poorest people 
in the country of Malawi that's already the third poorest in the world. They have a $256 GDP, so it's less than a dollar a day. And these people just have so little. And so families will take in orphans from when, when they have relatives die, but they don't necessarily have the resources to feed them. So our, we, our calling, we feel, is to come beside them and alongside and to be able to help provide food and even help with education so that we can make their lives better mm. and, and to help them along. The thing that's amazing in the stories that we're hearing is, you know, things like Allah didn't bring me any food even though I prayed, but Jesus did. And so the gospel is going forth through those, those methods. So it really is an exciting day. And as our, we believe that not only is God using us to bring the truth of the gospel that's going to transform their life for all eternity, but while we're there and while we're planting these churches and discipling believers, that we're going to transform their life here on earth and help teach them things where they can have better nutrition, they can grow healthier crops, and they can have more sustainable income so that they could take care of their family, giving opportunities for education for their children. Every parent has the same desire. They want to give their children the best, and they want to give them an education, but they can't afford that. And so we want to step in and show through the love of Christ how he transforms their lives for all eternity as well as their their living standards. And these models are models that we can turn over to the Malawian people so that they can begin to sustain themselves. Mm-hmm. That's the key. As yeah. John the Baptist said, you know, I must decrease, he must increase. So to show them, you can do this. These are just models that we want to start and fund and then turn over. I'd love for our orphans one day to run that coffee farm, Amen. for the orphans <laughs> to run that well business. Amen. Here on Exploring Missions, you've been hearing about what God is doing in the nation of Malawi, Zambia, and Zimbabwe, Mozambique. And uh, get, as Nathan said earlier, get you a map, get you a globe, go to Africa, look about halfway through on the east side, and you'll find those three countries and be praying for them that God is doing something great, that he'd continue it, but it would spread uh, that, you know, it would go from place to place and, and God would just enrich lives. And you can find more about U-Turn Ministries. Eric, you got that information? I do. I would love for you to go to U-TurnMen.org, and that's U is spelled out Y-O-U-T-U-R-N-M-I-N.org, or you can email me at P at U-TurnMen.org. And they're still doing short-term mission trips? And you can look at that, find out that information there as well. Nathan, I shared with you. Yeah, this I'd is met great. these two guys, and I, as I got through, I said, "Man, I got to get Nathan here yeah. on on this day to." And hey, when's the next good. trip? That's what I want to know. Absolutely, come and join us again, guys. Thank you for being with us, and pray that God would continue. Uh, the next time, if you bring one of the trained pastors with you back to America. Absolutely. You come by. We want that interview as well. Okay. Thank y'all. Anytime you're in this area, drop by. We want to hear from you. We're going to try to give updates. This is just too good to, to let it pass. Nathan, thank you again. Thank you. And just continue praying. You wonder, what can I do? You can give, you can go, but everybody, every single person can pray and join in with what God is doing already in Malawi. You can be a part of that through your prayers. 
Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions here on the American Family Radio Network. Thank you.